We are in chapter 5 of Shmuel Bet, where David becomes the undisputed king over all of Israel, all the 12 tribes. And we saw last week how the nation of Israel, first the Rasheshvatim, and then the Skenim, they come to him in Hebron to accept him as their king. And so now we'll start to learn about David Melech Israel, David king of Israel. And let's see what he does in his first act as the king of Israel. And before we see what he does in his first act as the king of Israel, let's go back to verse 5, the summary verse. It says, In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years, and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned for 33 years, I'll call Israel over all of Israel and Yehuda. Okay, verse 6. And the king and his men marched to Jerusalem. To the Jebusites who lived there. Well, they were the inhabitants there. And they, the Yivusites, spoke to David and they said, You will not get in here. First, you're going to have to remove the blind and the lame. Lemor, as if they were saying, David cannot get in here. Okay, so this verse is, you know, just loaded with uh, possibilities. What is these blind and lame Yivusites talking to David about? But anyway, we see that David's first act as king is to conquer Jerusalem. That's what it says. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem towards the Yivusites. Of course, when it says his men, we're talking about his soldiers. Remember, he's got a nice army with him. He's got those 600 faithfuls who were with him in the desert. And if you heard last week, Shior, we read what it said in Chronicles 1, chapter 12, where it lists each tribe that joined David and the military skills that each one brought to the table and the weapons they brought with him. So David has an impressive army. And now they're coming to Jerusalem, to the Yivusites. And who are the Yivusites? Well, we learn from the book of Joshua that Yavus, that word Yavus, that's another word for Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is actually the portion of Benjamin, at least the east side of it. It's the portion of Benjamin. Today we call it the old city. And we see that the Yivusites are dwelling in that area. Now, who are they? Well, they're part of the seven Canaanite nations. Right? When you list the seven Canaanite nations, Ha'emori, Ha'gigashi, Ha'chivi, Ha'yivusi. And obviously, Joshua didn't drive these guys out. And that's because the city is very well fortified, as we're going to see. And again, the Yivusites are the inhabitants of Jerusalem at this point. Jerusalem is occupied. And in the book of Joshua and Judges, there's a list of pockets of Canaanites that remained in the land. And the Yivusites are one of them. So David wants to fix that. And he goes first and foremost to conquer Jerusalem from the Yivusites. And Rabbi Adin Steinjeltz in his commentary speculates that David, he wanted to take care of the Yivusite issue first because it was close to home. After all, David is from Bethlehem. And it bothered him that the Canaanites are still occupying the city so close to his hometown. But we have to ask really, why is David's first move as king to conquer Jerusalem? So you say, what are you talking about? Beit HaMikdash, Jerusalem, you're a Kodesh. But the thing is, nobody really knew that at this point. It didn't say that in the Torah explicitly. 
The Torah doesn't even mention Jerusalem. Every time the Torah commands us to build a temple, it says, build it on the place that Hashem chooses. It doesn't mention Jerusalem ever. Now there's a Masoret, a tradition that the Akedah was on Horomoriah, that's Jerusalem and so forth. But that's not the major reason that this is David's first move. Jerusalem at this point, it wasn't even holy yet. I mean, it's a Yivusite city, as we say. Shechem, Hebron, they were the holy cities at this point, not Jerusalem. So why does David go there first? Or better said, why does he want to conquer Jerusalem first? So the Dat Mikra says like this, David decided to conquer Jerusalem a long time ago when he was in Hebron. Because again, it wasn't conquered fully by Joshua, nor in the time of Judges, and he wanted to make it his capital. Why? Because of its central locality. Jerusalem is located in a very strategic spot. It's a walled city, as we see, a well-fortified city. And most importantly, it's a place that will bring unity to Israel and it will deflate all the tension and jealousy between the tribes. Why? Because Jerusalem sits exactly at the border of Yehuda and Benjamin. Of course, David's tribe is Yehuda. Saul is from Benjamin. And Jerusalem belongs to both tribes. One half belongs to Yehuda, the other half to Benjamin. I'm going to read what the Malbim says off the verse where it says, and the king and his men, they went to Jerusalem. The Malbim says like this, once the two kingships within Israel had been united, because until now the tribe of Yehuda was under David and the remaining tribes led by Saul's tribe Benjamin were under Ishboshet, and once they became one kingdom under David, it seemed right and it appeared to be the will of God that the royal city should lie on a boundary that was connected to both kingly tribes. And this was Jerusalem, which lay half in Yehuda and half in Benjamin. And the Malbim continues, and we already explained in the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 8, that the children of Israel conquered their portion of Jerusalem, while the children of Benjamin did not. And that is where the Yivusites were dwelling. And so, the Malbim concludes, the king and his men went to drive out the Yivusites from the portion of Benjamin. So David conquers Jerusalem to move his capital to Jerusalem and to move for Achtus, for unity. It's a political move. So there won't be jealousy. Jealousy of Yehuda towards Benjamin and vice versa, which really stems from Leah and Rachel, right? The brothers were against Joseph. That was Leah versus Rachel. And this thing just continues on through the generations. You have like this natural fault. There are deep roots there. And Jerusalem contains both tribes in its portion. So it's a good place to set up shop. That's a very practical reason. Because after all, David wants to be king over all of Israel, not just Yehuda. So what does he do? He leaves Hebron, which is Yehuda's capital, and he heads towards Jerusalem here, which again is a city which contains both Yehuda and Benjamin. And this is a very bold move by David because, you know, he's going to pay a price for it. Because up until now, every leader established his kingdom wherever the portion his tribe was. It's natural. That's where your base is. That's where you establish your, uh, your capital. But David leaves his base, heads for Jerusalem. And when Avshalom rebels against his father David, what does Avshalom do? He goes to Hebron. We see that the people of Hebron, they're still angry at David. They're saying, hey, we were with you through thick and thin. Now suddenly you become king of all of Israel. You move everything to Jerusalem. 
Because remember, wherever the location of the uh, capital of the, of the kingdom, wherever that's established, that has you know, a lot of significance for the city's economy, for tourism, and all that. So it's a big deal where the king sets up his kingdom. And David, because he wants to be king over everybody, he leaves Hebron and he goes to conquer Jerusalem. Now, I'm not leaving out the religious angle in entirely. It's just not the major reason. But let's look at the spiritual side of it too. Jerusalem, of course, is the place of Hara that's mentioned in the Torah, which is Harabayit. And again, it's not explicitly written in the Torah. It's not mentioned, but there's a Masoret, right? You have a tradition that after the destruction of the tabernacle in Shiloh, there was a Masoret that Jerusalem was going to be the place of the temple. That's what the sages say. They say that David learned it from Shmuel when they were learning together in Nayot. If you remember when David was fleeing Saul, he had a little chavruta there with Shmuel and they were learning about the place of the temple. That's what the sages say. And the Radak writes like this on these verses that we're learning here in David's conquest of Jerusalem. He says, Kabbalah biyadam. There was a Masoret, a tradition in their, in their, in their possession. Kitzion Rosh Malchut Yisrael. That Zion, Jerusalem, that's where the Malchut was to be established. And the only one who could conquer it is the one who would be king over all of Israel. So according to that, David had to wait until he's the king of all of Israel and then he'll be able to conquer Jerusalem. But it is interesting and maybe even weird that the name of the city of Jerusalem, it's not mentioned in the entire Torah. I mean, you got Shechem, Hebron, we know about that. Look at Jerusalem here. It's a Yivusite city. You don't feel anything holy about it or special. So it's going to take time for Jerusalem to get the reputation that it eventually gets and becomes the holy city that we know and love. Okay, so like the Malbim said in the book of Judges, Binyamin hadn't conquered its portion of Jerusalem yet. So let's see how David conquers these Yivusites. So now let's get down to the conquest itself. We see why David wants to conquer Jerusalem, but let's look at the obstacle in his way. It says that the Yivusites told him, you will not get in here until you remove the blind and the lame. Or it could be saying even the blind and the lame can ward you off because this place is so fortified and they can protect this place. And two verses from now, these blind and lame are going to be called Sonei Nefesh David. They hate David's guts. Now there are pages of commentary trying to figure out what is going on here. Who are these blind and lame? But one thing's for sure. This is not an easy conquest. It's going to take one or two verses, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So let's try to at least understand the pshat here. You won't be able to come into here unless you remove the blind and the lame. So according to the Ibn Ezra and the Radak, they're saying like this, our city is so strong, it is so fortified, that even the blind and lame can defend it and prevent you from penetrating it. So the Yivisites are so sure of themselves that they station people with physical defects to protect the city and to mock David. And by the way, because it's so fortified, David's going to have to find another way, another opening somehow to penetrate the city. Again, so according to this Perush, this is kind of a mockery against David and his army. Another explanation is that of the Abarbanel. And he says, what they're saying is, 
We're going to fight you until the last man is standing. Even the blind and the lame are going to fight you. We're going to fight to the bitter end. And according to other commentaries, what's going on is that they're saying to David and his soldiers that they're the ones who are blind and lame. Okay, let's go to verse 7. Ear David. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, Mitzudetzion, which is the city of David. That is, David eventually captured the city and it was called Mitzudat David. And now the next verse is going to explain how he did it. Because like we said, this doesn't look like it's going to be easy. David And David said on that day, Anyone who can smite the Yivusites and reaches the Tsinor, which could be a water shaft or a tower or a tunnel, and can get rid of the lame and the blind, who hate David's guts. And the verses end that way without explaining what David means. It says that anybody who can penetrate the city and get to this Tsinor, and get rid of the lame and the blind. We know from Chronicles that David is saying that anybody can do that, he will get a big reward. Because the parallel verse in Chronicles says that anybody that can get to this Sinor and get rid of the Pischim Ivrim, the blind and the lame, he will be the Rosh Ulesar. He'll become captain of the host. That's what it says in Chronicles. And Yoav ben Surya is the one who's going to do it. And that's why he becomes head of the army. And then the verse ends, and that's where they say, the lame and the blind cannot enter the house. So this verse is what we call a moose. It's packed with words and innuendos and it's not even finished and you have to complete it by going to Chronicles. But let's try to see what's going on. So let's look at the verse in Chronicles 1, chapter 11, verse 6. It says like this, and David said to his men, whoever goes up first and leads the attack, and attacks the Jebusites, he will be my commander-in-chief. And Yoav, the son of Tsuria, went up first, and he became the head of the army. Okay, so like we said, the city is just too fortified to conquer it straight up. So you have to find another way. And that other way is when it says, Sinor. you have to get to this Sinor. Now again, it all depends how you translate the word Sinor. And so according to the Dat Mikra, David wants to enter the city through the Tsinor, which is the Amatamayim. You see, Tsinor means water pipe, really. So there's a water pipe leading to the city. You have to find where it is. And then when you do, that's a way to penetrate the city. You go through the water pipe. And when you get there, you smite the guards, you open the gates. And that's what Yoav did. According to others, the Tsinor are these tunnels that were under the city. And by the way, there are archaeological digs you can go on today and they reveal these tunnels and really gives credence to this perush that there were tunnels in the eastern part of Jerusalem and it leads into the old city. And by the way, there's water in those tunnels. So that kind of combines the two commentaries that the Tsinor is the Amatamayim. It's the water tunnels. Now others say that the Tsinor is a tower they have to get to. But in any case, whatever it is, David is saying we have to find a way to get to that Sinor because we can't penetrate the city in a regular way through the gates. So we got to find a different way and Yoav found that way. And let's see what it says at the end of the verse. David calls these lame and blind the haters of David's guts because they mocked him at the beginning. 
So he's forbidding the Yivusites to ever enter his house after he conquers the city. It's like measure for measure. They said in verse 6, Lotavohena, you're not going to come in here. So he's saying to them, Lotavola Beti, which means you're not going to come into my house, which is Mitzudat David. Now, there's another way you can understand all this. See, according to some, the blind and the lame that we saw, that were mentioned, those were statues or idols that the Yivusites worshipped. That's what was standing at the wall. And since David hates Avodah after all, idols have eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, legs but cannot walk. So it says that David's soul loathes them, and that's why David doesn't want any part of it. So he says, I don't want any idols around here. And so what we see here is there was great self-sacrifice in this battle for Jerusalem. What I want to talk about is this. You know, this whole thing is kind of mysterious that the name Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Torah. I mean, Jerusalem should be, you know, Aleph Bet. It should be the highlight. It's only hinted to. When God tells Abraham to bind Yitzchak, he says, go to Eretz Moriah. And only in Chronicles we're told that Eretz Moriah is a temple mount. And like we said, what is this that every time the Torah tells us to build a temple, it doesn't say to build a temple in Jerusalem on the temple mount. No, it says, on the place that God chose. Why is it left a mystery? Why not just say Jerusalem? What's the secret? And by the same token, the conquering of Jerusalem is also problematic. We see in the book of Joshua, in chapter 15, it says, Ve'et hayavusi Yerushalayim lo yuchlu orisham. Which means that the Yevisites, who were the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Yehuda, couldn't throw them out. And the Yevisites dwelt amongst the children of Yehuda. We just couldn't get rid of them. So we see in the times of Joshua, those Yevisites are still in Jerusalem. Now later, at the end of the book of Joshua, the tribe of Yehuda tries to get the Yevisites out of there. It says like this, V'shuv yilchamu b'nei and Yehuda again went to fight against Jerusalem. And they captured it. And they smote him by the sword. And they burned the city with fire. So we see there a successful campaign in the book of Joshua. And it seems like they might have conquered Jerusalem. But then we have a later verse in Judges that says, And the Yivusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, The children of Benjamin weren't able to drive out. And the Yivusites inhabited Jerusalem with the Benjaminites till this day. And so we got this struggle for Jerusalem all the time. And in our chapter here, Jerusalem remains a city here with foreigners in these days of King David. And here David is trying to throw them out. And we see it wasn't easy. And so David's first act again is to go and conquer Jerusalem but when it comes to the actual conquest, we see he hesitates. It's not easy. And the weirdest thing is that after he conquers Jerusalem in our chapter here, and he fortifies the city, and he turns it into Ir David, the city of David, David's capital, right? Jerusalem, D.C. Jerusalem, David's capital, the Havdil from Washington, D.C. But the struggle continues. How do we know? Because if you go to the end of this book, at the end of Shmuel Bet, there are still Yevusites not only in Jerusalem, but they own the Temple Mount. They're on Harabayit. We have this guy, Aravna Hayivusi, as the Balabayit of Harabayit, of the Temple Mount. 
And only at the very end of this book, in the final chapter, David wakes up and he buys the mount from Aravna, the Yivusite. That's how the book of Shmuel ends. So we see that despite the fact that Jerusalem is the heart of Israel, the conquering of it is problematic. And it's considered a flaw in David's kingdom that he didn't complete the conquest of it. The Midrash actually criticizes David for conquering all these other places all over the place, yet neglecting to finish the conquest of Jerusalem. And this is what it says in the Midrash, in the Sifri. Why did David conquer Syria, southern Syria, and northern Syria? There's not a big mitzvah to conquer Damascus and Syria. David David did not do what it says in the Torah. It said in the Torah, The Torah said, first, you have to conquer the land of Israel, and then conquer outside of the land of Israel. And he didn't do that. He's conquering all these other places. But he didn't finish the job throwing out the Yivusites. Kodesh Baruch said to him, the Almighty said to him, David, David, the Yivusites who live where your palace is, who are right under your nose, you didn't drive them out. And you go and conquer Syria, southern Syria, and northern Syria. So David's getting criticism here for conquering these these peripheral areas, there might be important conquests, but first, take care of your hometown, take care of the heart of Jerusalem, and then go conquer the rest of the countries. You know, it's like today, we build up Jerusalem, all the periphery areas, the Givadzev and Piskatzev and all those neighborhoods, but we don't conquer the Temple Mount. We leave the heart. We leave that for the Arabs. And so again, even though it looks in this chapter that he that he conquered Jerusalem and everything was fine, we see at the end of the book, no, the Yivusites are still in Jerusalem, on Harabayit even. And I think the problem was this, that the Yivusites, after he conquered them, they weren't giving David trouble anymore. They were, you know, just there. They weren't going to war with us anymore. And we see at the end of the book, when David buys the Temple Mount from Aravna, the Yivusite, he seems like a nice guy. And so David let him stay there. They laid low. It didn't cause problems. And the Jews got complacent. They were quiet. And that's why he didn't finish him off. So King David let them be. Kind of like what we did with the Arabs after the Six-Day War. We conquered them, but we left them there. And they eventually became thorns in our eyes. Now, we can bring this whole thing up to date in our times about Jerusalem still being a struggle. Just looking at, at recent history, in 1948, in the Independence Day War, the biggest battle was to try to conquer Jerusalem. And we didn't finish the job. Only half of it, right? Following the 1948 Arab-Israeli War, Jerusalem was divided. The western half of the new city became part of the newly formed state of Israel. But the eastern half, along with the old city, that was occupied by Jordan, who we can call now the Yivusites, right? They're in the eastern half, just like when David came in. And then came the Six-Day War in 1967. And then all of Jerusalem was officially in our hands, both East and West Jerusalem. But let's face it, East Jerusalem isn't really ours today. 
You ever see what goes on there? Did you ever take a look at Silwan and all those Arabs there? That population is entirely Arab. So the job's not finished. And by the way, these Arabs of East Jerusalem, they're not nice like Aravna, the Yivusite is. There's no difference between an Arab in East Jerusalem or an Arab in Samaria. But going back to the conquest of Jerusalem, I once heard a shur explaining uh, something very interesting, kind of like we learned in the Redak. What did the Redak say? Kabbalah haita, that it was a tradition. Kitzion Rosh Malchut Yisrael loyal code, that we're not going to conquer Jerusalem. Elam Mishaya Melech Kol Yisrael, until there's somebody king over all of Israel. So that means there has to be unity, right? There has to be unity to conquer Jerusalem. So what the rabbi said was that in 1948, the Jews, they weren't united in the war, right? We had three different undergrounds fighting in the War of Independence. We had the Lechi, the Etzlan and Haganah, all fighting separately. And that's why we couldn't successfully conquer all of it. We weren't united. But in 1967, we had a united IDF. There were no more fractions. Everybody was united. And that's why we succeeded in conquering all of Jerusalem. But we see that the job's not really done. Just like David didn't finish, we got to finish it. And that's why the final struggle, the final war will be in Jerusalem. And that's what it says in Zechariah 14 in describing the war of Gog and Magog. What does it say? Vasafti et kol el And I gathered all the nations who came upon Jerusalem for war. And the ear was conquered. They're talking about Jerusalem. The house were pillaged. And the women were ravaged. And half the city had to go into exile. Anyway, that's one of the Gog and Magog prophecies in Zechariah Yudalid. It describes a horrible scene where the redemption is going to come in a very difficult way. But the point is, I will gather the nations upon Jerusalem. So yeah, and so yeah, the final battle will be over Jerusalem. Just as it was central for King David and problematic too, so it is for us. Jerusalem's the heart, the place of the temple, but we see all the controversy all the time surrounding Jerusalem. And so while the name Jerusalem isn't mentioned in the Torah, it's only hinted to, we see eventually it is going to be mentioned. It is going to be the hotspot of the redemption. May it come speedily in our days.